With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, and thank you for joining me. Um, I have an apology to make. That last recording I did, uh, boy, it was horrible. So what I'm going to do when I get done with this, I'm going to record and hopefully upload uh, a new message because this kind of follows along in succession. If you miss one part, you know, you might not uh, tie. It ties in together as any book does. And I, I am really terribly sorry. I, I don't know. Uh, no excuse here. I just will record uh, uh, a new session and hopefully uh, I can get that done today. Heavenly Father, I do give you thanks for this day, and I thank you, dear Lord, for all your blessings, Lord. And I do thank you for this medium to share words of inspiration, Heavenly Father. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you just continue to be with each and every one of us as we go throughout the rest of this day. And just bless us, dear Heavenly Father. And for those that are lost, dear Lord, I just pray that seeds are planted, Lord, that they will want to come and know who you are and give their lives unto you. And I just thank you, Lord. And I pray for my family, Heavenly Father, as they go through the rest of their day. Just be with them. Uh, and bless them, Lord. And uh, give them strength to do whatever is necessary to do. I thank you, Lord, for those that are recovering dear Lord, under your healing touch, and I just ask that they just continue. And I pray, dear Heavenly Father, for my church family, Heavenly Father, with whom I will soon spend time with, Lord. May we learn from the teaching that we're studying, dear Lord, and apply it in our lives. And I just give you all the praise in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... uh, the last uh, recording was really kind of horrible, and I, I really do uh, apologize for that. I I should have double checked it. Now I, uh, no excuses. I I will make it better. So let's pick up. I'm reading uh, Dispositional Truth by Charles Larkin, and you can go to charleslarkin.com and pick up the charts that we come up and some of them in the writing, it does um, point to them. And the charts that uh, we'll be going through today is the time element of the first and second coming, and possibly we'll get to the 7,000 years of human history. And that's, again, charleslarkin.com, and look for those two charts. So we pick it up with who are to be taken. Some claim that all the church are to pass through the tribulation, others that all the church are to be caught out before the tribulation, while some claim that only the waiting and the watching saints 
shall be caught out before the tribulation and that the rest must pass through it, the latter base, their claim on Hebrew chapter 9, verse 28, where it says, Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. While this might apply to the living when he appears, it certainly can apply to the dead. There are tens and hundreds of thousands who fell asleep in Jesus. Whoever heard of a premillennial coming of the Lord, or at least never grasped its meaning, and who therefore never watched and waited and looked for his appearing. They surely are in Christ, and the dead in Christ are to arise at the rapture. Paul does not say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 17, that it will be the dead who watched and waited and looked, and those who are alive and watch and wait and look for his appearing that shall be caught out but the dead in Christ, and we who are alive and remain. Then there is another fact that if we must not forget, and that is the unity of the church. For as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by the one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, 13. All of them who have been born again, John chapter 3, 3 through 7, are part of Christ's body. And we cannot conceive of Christ's body being divided, part of it remaining asleep in the grave and part of it raised in glory, part of it left to pass through the tribulation and part of it to be changed and caught up to meet him in the air. If all the church are to pass through the tribulation, then instead of waiting and watching for the Lord, we should be waiting and watching for the tribulation, which is contrary to the teaching of Christ himself. And that's Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 and 44. The tribulation is not for the perfecting of the saints. It has nothing to do with the church. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. And that's Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7 and is the judgment of Israel. And it is God's purpose to keep the church out of it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. The book of Revelation is written in chronological order. After the fourth chapter, the church is seen no more upon the earth until she appears in the 19th chapter, coming with the bridegroom from heaven. The entire time between these two chapters is filled with an appalling judgment that fall upon those that dwell on the earth. And as the church is not of the earth, but is supposed to sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, and that's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, she will not be among those who dwell on the earth in those days. The confusion is largely due to the fact that students of the prophetic truth do not distinguish between Christ coming for his saints and with his saints. The former is called the rapture, the latter the revelation. Numerous passages in scripture speak of Christ coming with his saints, 
And that's Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 through uh, 4 through 1, and Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 13, 1, 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 14, and Jude uh, chapter 14. But it is evident that they cannot come with him him, if they had not been previously caught up to him. All such passages after, therefore, to the revelation and not the rapture. The typical teaching of the scriptures demand that the church be caught out before the tribulation. Joseph was a type of was a type of Christ, and he was exposed to and married as the a Gentile bride, during the time of his rejection by his brethren. And before the famine, which typified the tribulation because it was the time of judgment of his brethren, this is the time of Christ's rejection by his brethren, the Jews. And to complete the, the type, he must get his bridegroom, the church, before the tribulation. Moses, who is also a type of Christ, got his bride and she, a Canaanite, after his rejection by his brethren, and before they passed through the tribulation unto Pharaoh. And that's Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. Enoch, a type of translation saints, was caught out before the flood. And the flood is a type of tribulation. And Noah and his family of the Jews, which remained, are 144,000 sealed ones of Revelation chapter 7, verse 1 through 8, who will be preserved through the tribulation. How thrilling the thought that some of us shall not die, that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, without being unclothed by ghastly hands of death, and instead of a winding sheet of the grave, we shall be instantly changed and clothed with the glorious garments of immortality. What a transport of joy we will fill our being as we suddenly feel the thrill and immortality throwing through our veins and find ourselves being transported through the air in the company of fellow Christians and of our loved ones who fell asleep in Jesus. What welcome recognitions and greetings there will be as the journey up with them to the bridal halls of heaven were, we all shall join the new and triumphal song of Moses and the Lamb. And that's Revelations chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. The second stage, the revelation. At the second stage of Christ's second coming, the revelation, we shall behold his glory. When Jesus came the first time, he was disguised in flesh. The incarnation was the hiding of his power, the veiling of his deity. Now and then gleams of glory shot forth as on the Mount of Transfiguration. But when he comes the second time, we shall behold him clothed with the glory he had with the Father before the world was. The revelation will be as sudden and unexpected as the rapture. The sun will rise on that day strong and clear. Gentle breezes and waft themselves over the earth. 
There will be no signs of a storm or the coming judgment. The people will be buying and selling, building and planting, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriages. The statement will be resolving in their minds new plans for the world's betterment. The philanthropy will be devising new ways to help the people. The pleasure-loving will be seeking new sources of pleasure. The, w- the wicked will be plotting dark deeds, and the unbelieving will be proving to their own satisfaction that there is no God, no heaven, no hell, no coming judgment, when suddenly there will be a change. In the distant heaven, there will appear a point of light outshining the sun. It will be seen descending toward the earth. As it descends, it will assume the form of a bright cloud, out of which stream dazzling beams of light and flashes of lightning. It will descend space as if on wings of a whirlwind, and when it reaches its destination over the brow of Mount of Olives, it will stop and unfold itself to the terrified and awe-stricken beholders, and there will be revealed to them Jesus, sealed or seated on a white horse. That's Revelations chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. And accompanied with him his saints and the armies of heaven. Then shall be fulfilled what Jesus foretold in his Olivet disclosure. Then shall appear the sign, a cloud of the Son of Man in the heaven. And then shall all the tribes of earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. The emissary of the second coming. One of the objections to the doctrine of the second coming of Christ is the claim that he may come back at any time. Postmillennialists tell us that the writers of the New Testament looked for him to come back in their day and that he did not do so is proof that they were mistaken and that Paul in his latter writings modified his statements so that the intimacy of Christ's return. It is a fact that while Jesus said, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man appeareth. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 through 44. He did not in these passages teach that he would return during the lifetime of those who listened to him. In fact, in his parables, he imitated that, or him, yeah, imitated that his return would be delayed as in the parable of the talents, where he is said, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. And that's Matthew chapter 25, verse 19. What Jesus wanted to teach was the sudden and unexpected character of his return. As to the apostles, while they exhorted their followers to be ready, for the night is far spent, the day is at hand, and the coming of the Lord draweth near. Their language simply implied emissy, but not necessarily immediacy. 
And the use of the word we in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. It's not a declaration that the Lord will return in Paul's day and some would not die, but he, be translated for the apostle is talking about the rapture, and he means by we, a certain class of persons, the saints that shall be alive when that event occurs, whether in his day or at a latter time. It was clearly known to our Lord that certain events must come to pass before his return, but to have disclosed the fact would have nullified the command to watch. Therefore, he, in mystery form, as in the seven parables of Matthew 13, hid the fact that his return would be delayed. It would take time for the sowing of the seed, the growth of the wheat and the tares, the growth of the mustard tree, and the leavening of the meal. So rapid was the spread of the gospel in the first century that the followers of Christ were warranted in looking for a speedy return of the Lord. But it was true then, as in every century since, that we do not know what the extent of the harvest is to be, and when it will be ripe so the Lord can return. And that's Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. Uncertainty, then, as to the time of the Lord's return, is necessary to promote the watchful spirit. If the early church had known that the Lord's return would have been delayed for 20 centuries, the incentive to be watchfulness would have been wanting. By emissy, we may, may happen any time. For illustration, you hurry to the railroad station to catch a train. You find the train has not arrived, though it's past the hour. Though it is late and it's on its way and would not be safe for you to leave the station, for it may arrive any minute. But as a matter of fact, it does not come for half an hour. Now, if you had known that, it would not arrive for half an hour you would have used the time in some other way than waiting and watching. So we see the intimacy, emissy, does not necessarily imply immediacy, but does demand watchfulness. It is a firm conviction, the writer, that there has been unnecessary delay in the return of the Lord caused by the failure of the church to obey the divine commission to evangelize the world and that's Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 through 20 and it is past the time when he should have returned of course this was foreseen by God and his foreknowledge has held back the developments of the forces of evil etc until the fullness of the Gentiles should be gathered in, and the harvest is ripe for gathering. And that's Revelations chapter 14, verse 14 through 20. At no time in history of the Christian church have the conditions necessary to the Lord's return been so completely fulfilled as at the present time. Therefore, his coming is imminent, and we, not probably, be long delayed, let us be ready and watching. While the writer 
as stated, is disposed to believe that the return of the Lord is past due, and while he is in no time setter, yet uh, there is a theory that may throw some light on it. Intimacy of his return, that it will be well to examine. It is called the great week of human history and is based on the seven days of the creative week and the declaration of the scripture, Second Peter, verse 3, chapter 8, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The millennium is the Old Testament is described as a Sabbath keeping period of rest and is referred to as such in Hebrew chapter 4 verse 4 through 11 where it is associated with the seventh day of the creative week. Now we know that the length of the millennium is a thousand years. That's Revelations chapter 20 verse 1 through 9. And if it corresponds with the seventh day of the creative week, why should not the remaining six days be of the same length? If so, and those days correspond with the past of human history, then from the day of the creative week up to the beginning of the millennium should be 6,000 years of human history. In confirmation of this, we have the fact that a careful study of the genealogical tables of history of the Old Testament seemed to show that from Adam to Christ was about 4,000 years, or four days of a thousand years, each corresponding to the first four days of the creative week. And from Christ down to the present time, we have over 1,900 years, or nearly two days of a thousand years each, thus making nearly six days of a thousand years each of human history. And as Christ is to come back before the millennium, and all the signs point to his speedy return, then the theory that the seventh day of the creative week are typical of the seventh 1,000-year periods is not unwarranted in Scripture. If our reference is correct, then it follows that the return of the Lord will take place before the close of this present century. How much before it is uncertain. If the millennium is to be uh, ushered in A.D. 2000, then the rapture must take place at least seven years before that. And then the chart that I told you about, uh, he has the chart, he says, see chart below, the 7,000 years of human history. But right here, we must sound a note of caution. There is too much confusion in the Bible chronologically to fix any days with certainty. Doubtless God has ordered it so as to keep us in doubt as to the exact date of the Lord's return. It may have been 40,075 years instead of 4,004 years as generally given from Adam to Christ. In that case, we are living in the year 5993 from the creation of Adam or 
on the eve of the rapture. Again, we must not forget that God uses in prophetical chronology the calendar year of 360 days to a year, while we use the Julian astronomical year of 600 or 365 and a quarter days. And it would be necessary for us to find out what kind of year is used and reduced it to a calendar year. Thus, we might find that we are near the end of the 6,000 years than we are aware, and that the return of the Lord is intimate. However, while we maybe look upon the above theory as suggestive and in a way um, confirmatory of the near coming of the Lord, it is not conclusive, and we are not unwarranted in fixing any date based upon it. And further, we must not forget that the rapture may take place some time before the tribulation period begins, and the Antichrist is revealed. So if we could fix the exact date when the century will close and count back seven years, the rapture might occur five, ten, or even twenty-five years before that, so as give time for a rebuilding of Babylon and other events that are to occur before the tribulation period can begin. Otherwise, rapture would not be a surprise. It is not for the Christians to look for the times and seasons and signs. To do so, we'll put him in the class of those who say, My Lord delayeth his coming. And that's Luke chapter 12, verse 42-48. And he will become preoccupied with other things and neglect to be watchful. Let us live as if we expected the return of our Lord at any moment. A practical doctrine. But why, you ask, should we put so much emphasis on the second coming of Christ? Why not talk and preach about the practical affairs of life, about the social and commercial problems of the world, and their solution through the gospel? The answer is that the only way to solve these problems is for Christ to return. And the longer his return is delayed, the longer it will be before these problems are solved. As of the Jews, the Jews are the downtrodden people. Their only hope is the return of the Lord. When he comes back, they shall be restored to their own land and become a nation again. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, Russia, and from all the lands, whether he had driven them. And I will bring them again unto their land that I gave unto their fathers. And that's Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 14 and 15, and Isaiah chapter 43, verse 5 and 7. And they shall never again be dispersed, for I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, 
and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And that's Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 6. This has never as yet been fulfilled. As to Jerusalem and Palestine, thus saith the Lord Jehovah, in the day that I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities of Palestine to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be builded, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, and they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And that's Ezekiel chapter 36, 33 through 35 in verse. Joel chapter 3, verse 18. And Joel chapter 2, 24 through 26 in verse. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand, for very age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. And that's Zechariah chapter 8, verse 4 through 5, and Zechariah chapter 14, verse 20 through 21. As of the nations, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, he will sit upon the throne of his glory at Jerusalem and shall separate the sheep nations from the goat nations, and all the sheep nations will survive as nations to be permitted to become part of the millennial kingdom. And that's Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 40. These nations will become righteous, and it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from her year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. As a result of all this, the nation shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall lift up a sword against nation, shall not lift up a sword against nations, neither shall they learn war any more, but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. And that's Micaiah chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. The only way then to stop wars and to wars and labor troubles and all socialistic and anti-Christic movement is for Christ to return and set up his millennial kingdom. Well, in there, Heavenly Father, I give thanks for this day. I thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity. I just pray that you bless these people that have listened, and may you re- just <clears throat> give them a heart, dear Heavenly Father, to reach out to others. And just be with us all, each and every one. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. I have a talking clock, and sometimes I forget it, and I apologize. Well, in the meantime, be blessed. Say hello with a smile. Be kind. And um, I will, today is Wednesday, so I will try my best to be back here Friday. Um I'll just have to make a schedule for it to be back here Friday, right? All right. Be blessed. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.